What is it that we expect from power and authority? What we expect from power and authority is a being that can control. But yet in the midst of all the power and authority of our creator God, what he wants us to know about himself is that he offers mercy. The most surprising thing about God's character is that he is all-powerful and all-merciful. Welcome to How to Study the Bible. I'm your host, Nicole Eunice, and we are here looking at a series on the Psalms and what we can learn about the way that the Psalms invite us to bring our full emotional expression into the presence of God. Psalms is a place where we discover poetry and imagery and prayer and praise that help us understand how God invites us to be in relationship with Him. We've been in a series and we've looked at pleas to God and prayers to God and promises of God, and we're going to close our series in Psalm 145, the first nine verses. And if you listened in last week, you know that we talked about this idea of using an acrostic poem, which means taking one letter of the beginning of the alphabet as the beginning of a poem, and that there are several acrostic poems in the Psalms, and Psalm 103 was one of those. And we're going to close with Psalm 145, which is also an acrostic poem. And we're going to look at the first nine verses using our Alive method that we use here on this podcast. The Alive method is really just four simple questions that we ask of any passage in Scripture as a way to engage deeply with what we can expect experience from God and how we can connect to God through His Word. So I'm going to read to you the first nine verses. If you want to follow along in your Bible, we'll be in Psalm 145, 1 through 9. Or if you'd like to listen as I read, I'm going to invite you to pay attention to these words and look for a phrase or a word or even a word picture that stands out to you. I will exalt you, my God, the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty, and I will meditate on your wonderful works. They tell of the power of your awesome works, and I will proclaim your great deeds. They celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. So in the Alive Method, the first question that we ask is, what does this say? And this is a chance for us to take a moment to observe the passage, even just for a minute or two, using some of our simple literary observation devices that we have accessible to us, like from eighth grade English. Some of those devices are things like looking for lists, paying attention to verbs, looking for conjunctions, things that connect different thoughts. Another one that we use often is to pay attention to who are like the players in a passage and how do I understand what each player is doing. So we have three main players in this first part of the psalm. The first main player is God. What is God doing? What is God about? Yeah. 
The second main player is I, and we know because it says right at the top of the psalm that this is a psalm of praise from King David. So the I that we're looking at, if we circle the eyes in this first few verses, is David. David's talking about what he does. And then we have a third player that you may have not noticed right away, but it's they. There's a lot. There's verse five starts with they, verse six starts with they, verse seven starts with they. And the they in this passage is actually whole generation. It's the idea of what have we learned from our fathers and grandfathers? What is it that those who have gone before us have told us? And what are we going to do with that information? So if you're a person who likes to take notes, you might want to make a couple of columns in your journal. And one of those columns is what is God doing? The other is what is David replying? And the third is what is David expressing from the generation before him? So if we were going to do that together, what do we know about God? God. We know that God is great, verse 3. We know that God is most worthy of praise, verse 3. We know that his greatness is so good, no one can fathom. Anytime you hear a word that you don't normally use in your like normal language, you may want to ask yourself, okay, what does fathom mean? Okay, it's like another word for imagine. Like it is almost unimaginable how great God is. So you might want to write yourself a note there. God is great in verse three. We also know, and now we're going to get into five, six, seven, and then verse eight, we hear again about God and he's called the Lord. So God is gracious. God is compassionate. God is slow to anger. God is rich in love. God is good to all. God has compassion on all he has made. So we start the psalm with the greatness of God, the bigness of God, the majesty of God. And we end this little passage with the way that God chooses to engage with his people. And in the middle, we have what David is expressing, right? And what he is learning from other generations. So what we know in verse four is that a generation commends God's work to the next generation through the telling or the retelling of stories of God. We know that the generation speaks of the splendor of God's majesty. We know that the generation tells of the power of God's awesome works. We know that the generation before celebrates God's abundant goodness and sings of his righteousness. And can I just take a moment and say, I love this connection. I think that we live in an instant gratification culture where uh, we idolize youth as like sort of the pinnacle of our adult experience, when in reality, so much wisdom and perspective and goodness comes from listening to those who have come before us. And every single one of us in our salvation story is linked to another believer. Most of the time, that believer may be someone that has come before us. I love the story, for instance, of my husband's journey into faith, where he uh, attended church with his grandmother every Sunday because he spent the night at his grandparents' house every Saturday night. And his grandmother faithfully brought him to church. That was the beginning of his faith story. And I don't, I'm not sure his grandmother's faith story, but if we were able to ask her, and I hope one day in heaven I'm able to ask her, I am sure that her own faith journey would also be built on the generation before her. All of us are standing on the shoulders of the generation that has come before us. And what we hear in this ancient text is that King David is expressing this very same thing. It is it is a um, call to remember the timeliness, the timelessness, 
and goodness of God, which is actually also timely. But the timelessness, like the idea that God is standing outside of the moment that we are in, that God is engaged directly in who we are right now, but that God is faithful and bigger than the moment that we find ourselves in. Yes? So when we ask ourselves that question, what does it say, we begin to be able to really process what the words are really saying by the way that we focus on verbs, lists, repetition, conjunctions, or like we've done today, what are, are, the, what are the actions that are taking place with the characters in this psalm? Question number two is what's the backstory? What's happening behind the scenes here? And we know particularly that this psalm is coming to the end of the book of Psalms. And as we talked about when we opened this series, the Psalms are like the way that we honestly express the full range of emotion to God and actually receive from God how we can engage um, with faith, with confidence, but also with honesty with our God. And this is just another example of what that looks like as we look at this acrostic poem. Um, It's sort of a side note, but as part of the backstory, I think it's interesting to note that creativity and art and imagery is a huge part of the way that we express who God is. And I think that often we can be in a very high productivity culture where it's like you just got to get in, get out and make sure you understand what it's saying. When in reality, this, this kind of thing, like an acrostic poem or beautiful imagery about God is an invitation to our imagination. It's an invitation to entering in to the beautiful, creative way that God has wired each and every one of us. And also the beautiful and creative way that God himself expresses himself in his creation. So as we look at this psalm, let's just keep that in mind that in the backstory here, we know that this is a psalm of King David. And in verse one, he calls God the king. So I love that connection between David, who he himself was king of Israel, is actually like, no, no, the real king is God. And Jesus, we know, is the king of kings, the Lord of lords, that we can connect this idea of God's lordship and his His majesty in our life when we think about the idea that the one who is considered like the king of the world is calling uh, God the real king of the world. Yeah, amen. Okay, verse uh, question three is we ask ourselves, what does this mean? What are some of the principles that we can apply here? And as we think about the Psalms that we've already looked at together over the course course of the last several weeks, here we are again in this kind of um, same framework, this same rhythm of how do we um, claim the promises of the character of God? That there there seems to be this, of course, repetition that we see in here in verse two. Uh, how often am I going to praise you? Every single day. How long will I extol your name? Forever and ever. <laughs> like there's this sense of um, we're called to a rhythm and a repetition and a remembrance in our life with God. This is something that we've seen repeated over and over again in the Psalms. That if we're we're asking ourselves, what is it mean to flourish in a life with God, the Psalms are inviting us to find the patterns of a framework for how we do that. One of the ways that we can do that is is actually just by like being in the Psalms like we are right now. 
But another way we can do that is to take the framework of a psalm and actually apply that to the way that we engage with God. One of those frameworks that we see over and over again is being able to call on the character of who God is, just like rehearsing the character of who God is. As we see in verses 8 and 9, the Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. And I would ask you, do you believe that to be true about the way that God interacts with you? What if you put your name in verse 8? The Lord is gracious and compassionate to you, Rebecca. The Lord is slow to anger and rich in love for you, Danny. The Lord is good to all for you, Terrell. Like, how about putting your name in that and asking yourself, like, just on the the principle is right there for us to grasp. Like, we don't have to, like, work hard to get to the principles in Psalm 145 because they're just here for the taking. They're just written out. There's actually just principles written out for us, right? And in this framework, we can begin to ask ourselves, yeah, what does it mean for me to actually uh, recite and repeat and rehearse what is true about God? And then what is it like for me to, to put myself, to, to speak to my soul, as it says in another psalm, to, to, to tell my soul what I'm going to do? In verse 1, I will exalt you, my God, my King. I will praise your name forever and ever. And how often am I going to do it? Every day. How long am I going to extol your name? Forever and ever. That there is this, this process of actually engaging with a mindset and that somehow in the miraculous way that only God can do, our hearts are changed, our minds are renewed as we, in the midst of our troubles, in the midst of our worries, which God also welcomes, we are invited to continue to reset our mind, or as it says in Colossians, to set our mind on the things above. And the Psalms actually teach us how to set our mind on the things above. And specifically, this Psalm teaches us a framework for how we can do that. So we can claim any of those principles for us. A principle could be that it is important to meditate on the wonderful works of God, right? That's verse five. We know that we can, we can claim the understanding that I have a responsibility to the next generation in the way that I live out my life for God. We can claim the truth that we are called to praise every single day forever and ever. So any of those principles could be the ones that you would apprehend for today, that you would apply for today. You might take one that really stands out to you right now. You may list all of them out, but pay attention to what you're drawn to right now, because this is the beauty of scripture. Because God's word is alive and active, it is always dynamic in our lives. You can come to this psalm, which is a very familiar psalm for some of you. It's familiar to me. And you just might notice something different next week than you did this week. You might notice something different next year than you do this year. So pay attention to what principle is standing out for where you are in your life right now. Another principle here is that that God welcomes us to celebrate goodness and be joyful. And, and, and Christian, if you're out there and you're listening and you're a Christian, can I just say, 
we have got to reclaim our joy. Like one of the the aspects that's in the fruit of the spirit from the book of Galatians is the fruit of the spirit is joy. Um, joy is the ability to continue to show up as a light with hope and optimism and goodness, even when the world is dark. And in fact, even more so when the world is dark. And And there are so many things that threaten to steal our joy. There are so many things that erode our joy. There are so many worries that choke out our joy as told in the, the parable of the sower and the seeds. But God is giving us a framework for how we can find that joy again. And it's right here in this practice of repetition and repeating and remembering who God is. Question four, what does this mean for me? That means we take one of these principles, this big idea that we find in the scripture, this big idea that was true when it was written, and it's still true for us today. It's not culturally bound. It's not specific to the moment it was in. And then we take that big principle and we pull it down from 30,000 feet in the air, and we actually pull it right into our lives. And we ask ourselves the question, okay, based on what that principle is that God is showing me today, what does this mean for me? What does this mean for me? You may need to just put on a worship song right now and praise God for four or five minutes. That's what it might mean for you. You may need to say like, I do, I want to just, I just want to choose to worship God for who he is, trusting that he knows about my concerns. Like that might just be a practice that I need to be in. You may ask yourself, God, show me how to like commend your work to the next generation. What a big idea. But how could I show up for someone younger in my life today? Like what would it look like to show up just commending the work of God, whether that person is following God or not? Like how can I just like express the testimony of my salvation and God's goodness in the life that I'm in right now? Those might be some of the ways that you can apply these principles. Remember, when it comes to applying principles to our life, generally, we're going to be in a, a few categories. One of those categories is that principles will lead us to worship. Principles will lead us to repentance, to a place where we say, God, I just want to, I want to do more of that. I want to confess the ways that I haven't been doing this and, and, and ask you to help me to do it. That's a repentance, turning away from our old way, turning towards God's, God's way. Um, a principle might lead us to encouragement, just a moment of being like, ah, oh, like I just, I feel ready for, for life. I feel renewed and refreshed in truth. Or a principle might lead us to a specific action where, we feel the Spirit calling us to actually do something specific. And I want to encourage you that after you listen to this podcast, if you're engaged and connected to God or you've read through this passage, pay attention that that God may, the Spirit may specifically lay something on your heart in the next hour or two, uh, maybe a person for you to reach out to, maybe a, a friend you need to apologize to, maybe a, a soft word or an encouraging word for your spouse or your child. Pay attention to specific ways that God might be saying, you know why I wanted you to hear this today? Because I have something for you to do about it. Application is worship, encouragement, repentance, or action. So I want to ask you today, based on what you know about God in Psalm 145, how will you take that into your life today? All right, you guys, love being with you as always, and we will be back next week. Thanks for listening to How to Study the Bible with Nicole Eunice, a production of LifeAudio.com and the Salem Web Network. 
This episode was produced by Kelly Givens and our executive producer, Stephen McGarvey, and edited by Stephen Sanders. If you enjoyed what you heard today, we'd love for you to head over to your favorite podcast app and leave us a review. It really does help people find us. To learn more about Nicole, you can check out her website at NicoleUnis.com. Her book on how to study the Bible is called Help, My Bible is Alive. And you can find a link to that, plus a link to Nicole's site in today's show notes. Once in a generation, a podcast comes along with the power and eloquence to inspire us all. This show will entertain you while you wait for that one. Join two best friends, author and former history teacher John Driver and comedian Johnny W. for hilarious and authentic conversations about life, history, culture, faith, and everything in between. You can listen to Talk About That wherever you find your podcasts or at lifeaudio.com. 